Good morning. Today we are here um, for Ask a Professional with Phelps Health. So today we have Dr. Corey Offit, family medicine physician with the Phelps Health Medical Group to today's program. So welcome, Dr. Offit. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming back. Uh, we've had you on before and we're really glad that you decided that we were a good enough show to come back and talk to us today. So before we get started talking about today's topic of antibiotics and viral infections, tell us a little bit about what services you offer. So I'm family practice. I see anywhere from newborns up to adults. Um, I see pretty much anything, any chronic conditions, preventative care, sports physicals for kids, dermatology stuff, sports medicine. Um, I do a lot of ADHD management, things like that too, and including weight loss as well for people that are wanting to lose weight. So it sounds like you're pretty busy. Yeah, I do a little bit of everything. So we talked a little bit outside before we came in about dermatology. So tell yes. me just a little bit about what you do for Phelps Health with that. So I do a lot of skin biopsies, excisions of various skin lesions, um, treatment of chronic skin conditions, acne, psoriasis, things like that as well. That's awesome. So um, today we're talking about a very timely topic, viral infections, yes. which I know everybody is really curious to hear about. So tell us what a viral infection is. So a virus is an organism that attacks your body and flares up your immune system and then basically causes an overall um, kind of combination of symptoms. A lot of them cough, cold, congestion, things like that, um, fevers, body aches, um, and it's something that like we can't really fight off with anything as far as medications go. So we can't take any medications if we have a viral infection. So there are very, very few viruses that can be treated with um, antiviral medications. Antibiotics do not work for viral infections. Um, there are some medications for flu, things like that. But as far as other common cold viruses, things like that, there are no medications for why don't antibiotics work for viral infections? So antibiotics are primarily for bacterial infections. So there's a big difference between bacteria and viruses. The most common bacteria that people think about are your staph and your strep and things like that. Um, and then some of your pneumonia or pneumonia bacteria and things like that as well. Um, but as far as viruses go, you've got influenza, you've got that coronavirus that everybody's worried mm -hmm. about right now, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and then your common, common cold viruses, your rhinovirus, enteroviruses, things like that. So if somebody gets a virus, how long are they contagious for? So they're actually going to be contagious even three days prior to even having symptoms. So they're not even knowing that they're infected and they're spreading the virus, which is why viruses spread like wildfire around here. Um, then they continue to be contagious for, depends on the virus. I mean, anywhere from three additional days of symptoms up to seven additional days of symptoms, depending on the virus. So I know a lot of people get like the flu shot every yes. year. So are there any other types of shots like for the elderly or for younger people or for babies that they can take to kind of mitigate those risks? So certain viruses, again, there are vaccines for, um, there's different hepatitis viruses that there's vaccines for hepatitis B, um, is the uh, main one including, and hepatitis A. Um, there's also the shingles vaccine and varicella vaccine. Those are also viruses, um, and, um, mainly the flu shot. And then at, for elderly 65 mm -hmm. and older, there's actually a higher dose flu shot, um, because they are a more susceptible population. Okay. So something that we talked about earlier with the flu and these viruses is that the flu is a lot worse than a virus ever even thought about being kind yeah. of. So we looked up a stat and it was like 8,000 people have already died from the flu this year. Yeah. So in the United States alone, there's been over 15 million cases of influenza this year and over 8,000 deaths. And over 50 of those were actually kids. 
Um, and so people are really, really worried about this coronavirus in the United States, but there's only been two confirmed cases of coronavirus in the United States so far. Whereas they're not as concerned about the flu because there's just some skepticism whenever it comes to the flu shot for some reason. Mm-hmm. So what are some ways that we can encourage people maybe to get the flu shot or if they don't want the flu shot, what are other ways that they can take care of themselves? So avoiding anybody else that's sick or been around anybody else that's sick, which is really hard to do because again, you're not going to know that they have the flu until they've st- started to have symptoms and they could have already infected you. Um, and then avoiding people that are more susceptible, um, small babies, elderly, pregnant patients, um, those are all people that are highly, highly susceptible to getting influenza and any other viruses for that matter. So something else that we kind of talked about are with the viral infections are vaccines. So if somebody gets a vaccine mm-hmm. and they wind up getting this virus, can they get vaccinated again? They can. Um, in fact, they actually recommend getting the flu vaccine every year because it changes. There are a lot of different strains of influenza. Um, everyone knows about swine flu, things like that. Every year they change the flu vaccine based on data from years and years and years in the past to, and there, it really is a best guess as to what is going to be that strain that's active that year. And so they come up with the most likely three or four strains that are going to be susceptible that year or more prevalent that year. And that's what they make the vaccine out of that year. Um, and so you a lot of times they get it right, sometimes they don't. Um, but even if you get the flu after you got the flu vaccine, you're less likely to have complications from the flu. You're still able to fight it off a lot better than if you hadn't gotten the flu vaccine. And I know a lot of people think that I get the flu shot and then I'm sick because I got the flu shot. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? It is not. Um, the flu vaccine cannot and will not cause the flu. Um, it is not a live virus. It is only particles from a virus. And so it cannot in any way, shape, or form actually cause the flu. Um, You will have a normal immune response, which is mild fevers, mild body aches, but it lasts only a day or two um, whenever you have that. And then it actually takes anywhere from four to six weeks to develop a full immune response to that vaccine. So if you get the flu within two weeks of getting the flu shot, you got the flu because your immune system hasn't built up those antibodies to the flu yet. Wow, that's really interesting. So something else that we kind of talked about out there was the difference between the flu and the cold. Mm -hmm. So let's just maybe remind our listeners what that difference is. So influenza attacks the lower airways, so down into your lungs and into the airways in your lungs, whereas the common cold, the rhinovirus, actually attacks the upper airways, so in your nose and the back of your throat and things like that. And so common cold generally won't cause a lot of issues other than just being down and out for a couple of days. Um, But most viruses last anywhere from seven to 10 days total. But then there's certain viruses like those that cause like bronchitis and things like that that last even longer. And isn't it recommended that if you have the flu that you don't go to work, don't talk to anybody, kind of quarantine yourself? Absolutely. So usually influenza, there's a lot of um, employers now that are actually causing or making their employees, if they've been diagnosed with flu, be out for minimum of five to seven days. Wow. So if they don't get medication, don't they have to be out longer too? Anywhere from five to 10 days. And that makes a huge difference. It does. So something else that we talked about are sinus infections. So 
What is a sinus infection? Is it a viral infection? Can I take anything for it? So sinus infections can be caused by both virus, bacteria, and allergies. Um, so the medical term sinusitis. And so it causes inflammation inside the nasal cavity, inside the sinuses, which you have several of in, like, in your face. And it sometimes can be treated with antibiotics if it is a bacterial sinus infection. And there are certain things that we look for whenever that does occur. Um, specific drainage, really thick, irritating drainage, fevers, facial pain rather than pressure. Um, sometimes people will even have upper dental pain with bacterial sinus infections if it's in the specific sinus. So those ones we would treat with bacteria or antibiotics. Um, whereas viral sinusitis, they're going to have more systemic symptoms. So they're still going to have the body aches, they're going to have the sore throat, they're going to have fevers, things like that but without the other signs of the bacterial. So if somebody can't take antibiotics for a sinus infection, what are different types of supportive care that they can practice? So lots and lots of fluids is the main thing to help loosen up that mucus. Um, you can also take Mucinex and stuff like that over the counter. Um, having cool mist humidifier in their room to help break up any congestion as well. Um, I don't generally recommend Vicks or any kind of the vapor rubs whatsoever just because they can actually cause some irritation in the membranes as well and cause rebound congestion. Oh, wow. So it makes it worse. It can. I didn't know that because yeah. I always use Vicks. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm going to go home and throw mine out. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then, like, just depending on how extensive the virus viral infection is, would then kind of decide if you need to be seen by a physician or not. So whenever you say fluids, can I drink like a Coca-Cola as a fluid or what's my fluid of choice? So trying to avoid any kind of caffeine, water is always best. Um, Gatorade doesn't hurt. It's high in sugar though. Um, any kind of sports drinks are pretty high in sugar. So, so try I to always, just stick to water? If you can, yeah. Okay. And they even have things that you can put in your water too to make them flavored, which is really nice. Yeah. So people who don't like water, they still mm -hmm. have options. So talking about sinus infections, um, I was looking up a couple of things before this and there is something called allergic sinitis. So yes. what is that? So that's going to be your seasonal allergies, um, basically anything in the air that you might be allergic to or have a response to. So most common is pollen. Um, and then there's grass and different types of trees. There can be cats as well, can cause allergic rhinitis um, and allergic sinusitis. So, can so basically it, anything. That, can people do anything for that? Do they have to have like an annual exam? So there are prescription medications and over-the-counter medications for um, allergic rhinitis. So there's nasal sprays, which are usually the first go-to. Um, and then there's antihistamines and stuff like that. So... Yeah. So they have options, which they, is great. There are options. And then if over-the-counter medications don't work, there are some prescription mm -hmm. strength options as well. Yeah. So we're still in the winter months, and something that has come up in a couple of different shows is bronchitis. Yes. So how do we distinguish between what's maybe referred to as the common cold and what can be really bad, which is bronchitis? So the common cold, again, is going to be all in the upper airway, so anything above the neck. Um, and then the bronchitis is getting down into the lower airways, um, similar to what the symptoms of influenza are. Um, with bronchitis, there's a lot of mucus production in the airways causing a really productive cough, anywhere from clear to yellow mucus to green to brown mucus. Um, you'll still have the systemic symptoms like body aches and fevers and shortness of breath, things like that. Um, and then if you have other conditions too, it can significantly worsen your, um, complication risk. So what do people do if they think they have bronchitis? Should they immediately go into an immediate care? Should they call their family physician? Always call your family physician first because immediate care clinics and emergency rooms are somewhat overrun by things that don't necessarily 
are urgent or emergent. Uh-huh. And so trying to avoid other people with other illnesses, which are where all the people with influenza are going in the, into the ER if they're severely sick. Um, so calling your family practice doctor to get in first. Um, there's not a lot that can be do, done with bronchitis just because it is a viral infection. Um, a large percentage of them are viral infections. There is a small percentage that are bacterial. But even then, the CDC does not actually recommend any bacteria or antibiotics for that. Um, antibiotics are not effective for bronchitis. So it's just a lot of supportive care yeah. then. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really interesting. So something else I noticed too is that bronchitis can can last for a really long it can. time. I always tell all my patients that everything that I'm going to do is going to start to break up the mucus and they're going to get worse for two to three days first and cough a lot more because everything's breaking loose and then they'll start to get better. But then that cough can stay persistent from three to four weeks. Wow, and is there anything they can do for the cough? Do they not take any whole, medicine? Not a whole lot. I always tell people try not to get rid of the cough entirely because then that allows all that mucus to stay in the airways and then that can just prolong symptoms. And so you talked a little bit about um, what some of the treatments are for people who develop bronchitis, but who are people who are most susceptible to bronchitis? So it's similar to those that are susceptible to influenza, Um, pregnant patients, elderly, uh, small children, um, and then immunosuppressed patients, so cancer patients on chemotherapies, things like that. but then people that smoke are very, very highly susceptible. Um, Why is that? The smoking actually damages the uh, clearance mechanism in the airways, so it prevents them from being able to clear the mucus. Um, and so it kind of traps all those viruses and everything that causes illness. And so whenever people that have been diagnosed with COPD, they don't clear that mucus as well, and so it does settle up down into their lungs and can cause a secondary bacterial infection. And so that's whenever your people with COPD generally do get antibiotics um, whenever they have their flare-ups of their COPD with their bronchitis. Wow. So something that might even be helpful to talk about today are what are some good general wellness tips that we can use because it's still the winter months. People are Mm -hmm. still getting sick. Everybody's kind of cooped up inside and we're all touching each other. So washing your hands regularly. Um, There was actually a big study just this last year that hand sanitizer does not get rid of influenza. And so washing your hands with soap and water is really the best way to make sure that you're not spreading any kind of infections as much as possible. Um, And then making sure you're staying hydrated, not smoking, um, and then avoiding anybody else that has been sick or places that there are a lot of sick people. Why doesn't hand sanitizer get rid of influenza? Is it just not strong enough? So I think it's mainly just the, you're not really rinsing anything. Mm -hmm. It's all still just there. And so the soap and water under a faucet with water running over your hands is actually rinsing away everything like the influenza virus yeah whereas if you're using hand sanitizer you're kind of rubbing it in a little bit more so if everybody learned anything from this we all need to wash our hands every day so what are some of the most common viral infections that you see as a family medicine physician in this area so definitely the common cold um, we see a lot of um, so rhinovirus, and then there's enterovirus too, which can cause cough, cold, congestion, but also nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. Um, influenza is by far the most common that we see. Um, and then uh, RSV as well, which we had talked about last time. Mm-hmm. Um, respiratory syncytial virus, which primarily affects kids the most severely, but it actually presents as a common cold in an adult. And why does RSV affect children so drastically? Their airways um, aren't as equipped to deal with it, and they develop a 
pretty severe immune response to it, so it causes a lot of congestion, and so kids can't clear that congestion as easily. Okay, so like for babies, if they need help clearing that congestion, what what can a parent do if they have a child that has RSV? So again, you need to see your family practice physician Mm -hmm. or pediatrician, um, and then cool mist humidifier, and then lots and lots of suctioning. So I don't generally, if the bulb suction is all you have, yes, use the bulb suction, but nasal aspirators work the best um, because they'll get a lot of the mucus out and a lot of the congestion out. Mm-hmm. And then and pushing fluids. Isn't there something too where like the mother can suction it out of the baby's mouth herself? So that's the nasal aspirator. Oh, okay. And so yeah, and so they it it basically there's some mechanical ones that are battery powered, mm-hmm. but the ones that most people are avoiding that work the best <laughs> uh-huh. are the ones that have a filter in the middle of them, and you actually suck on the other end of it, and they. I swear by them. We use them for our twins at home, and that's the only thing we use to suction them, and they work so much better. Why do they work so much better, you think? There's more pressure behind it. Okay. Makes sense. So, You're and like, creates uh-huh. a better seal. So there's a filter, too, so it's not... Yeah, nothing gets into you. You're not going to get sick if you do it. Um, you may there, get sick. You might get being exposed mm-hmm. yourself to the virus, but yeah. more than likely you've already been exposed to that virus. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you've got your kid at home that's cuddling on you and everything else you're getting exposed yeah. to it regardless. So. And so something else you talked about is some prescriptions that you offer people or things that you encourage them mm-hmm. to take. You said Tamiflu, but then you said there was a new medication that... So there's an, a couple other medications. The main one that um, I prescribe is a medication called Zofluza that is actually a one-time dose um, rather than a five-day course like Tamiflu is. Um, so people that are have had Tamiflu that have had negative reactions to the Tamiflu in the past might be a candidate for Zofluza, or if they have a lot of nausea with it or anything like that, Tamiflu sometimes can cause nausea, which, I mean, Tamiflu is a wonderful drug, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I prescribe it on a regular basis as well. Um, But there are other options if you have trouble remembering to take a medication twice a day, things like that. So if somebody walks in, can they ask for Zofluza, or are you going to automatically give them the Tamiflu? Uh, they can ask for it. I give them options. I actually talk to them about both options um, whenever, if they're diagnosed with influenza. Okay, great. So um, something else that you mentioned too is that with the dermatology, as a family medicine physician, you mm-hmm. have a really wide gamut of services that you offer. Let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about those services. Yeah. So again, I do well child exams. I see kids and do immunizations and things like that. I see pediatric illnesses as well. Um, I always tell my patients, I usually will get you in within a day if you call for sick visits rather than two weeks. Um, if And so I'll overbook my appointments. I tell them you might have to wait an extra 10 to 15 minutes, but I'll still see them. Um, and then I see adults as well, chronic conditions, hypertension, diabetes, COPD, um, acute illnesses, like I said, um, dermatology, I do joint injections as well for sports medicine stuff, um, teenagers getting their sports physicals, I can do those as well. Um, really kind of the sky's the limit. And then if we need a specialist input, then we can put in that referral if needed. Which is really nice because we have a lot of those specialists we that do. helps health. Yes. Mm-hmm. So. Which means that people have a really great, um, comprehensive care team yes, that absolutely. they can, that they can lean on. And What's nice about Phelps is they allow the physicians to call each other on a regular basis. If we need quicker input or need a quicker consult, they we can get it done. Which is really great. So you mentioned something earlier, and I want to ask you a question about it. And we talked about this with bronchitis, COPD. Yes. So what is COPD for our listeners? How do you get it? What are some of the symptoms of it maybe? So chronic obstructive pulmonary disease is a disease of the airways and lungs um, that is a combination of bronchitis and emphysema. Um, usually caused by smoking. 
Um, it can be caused by extensive secondhand smoke or um, chemical exposures, like with um, environmental exposures with your jobs, things like that. But most commonly, it's from smoking. Um, and again, it breaks down the airway clearance and breaks down the barriers in the lungs that allow the oxygen transport from the airways to the lungs. And does that cause like a compromised immune system where people can get sick easier? Not necessarily the immune system. It's just the clearance that allows, it's kind of a barrier from the outside world to your body. Mm -hmm. And so it breaks that barrier down. Okay. Wow. So how would you encourage people maybe who smoke to cut back? Is there a certain type of cigarette that maybe is better? No, no cigarettes are good. Um, They're get, all bad. Like, they all just need to go away. Do not use vapes either. Vapes are, have actually been shown to even be worse than cigarettes. Um, and they're seeing a lot of chronic or acute lung disease that are people are not recovering from after vaping. Wow. So with vapes, what what's the major difference between like vapes and cigarettes? So vapes don't have the tobacco product in them. Um, mm-hmm. And so they don't have the tar and things like that. But they have other chemicals in them. Um, and so both of them have nicotine. Vapes actually have a higher amount of nicotine generally than cigarettes do. And so they can be much more addictive. Um, we're seeing a lot of teens get addicted to vapes pretty early on. Do you see a lot of cases of that in this area? I have not seen any as far as the um, vaping associated lung injury. No. That's great. That's good personally, to know. <laughs> personally. By the way, is that also known in slang terms as popcorn lung? I've heard that term used mm-hmm. many different times. I'm not sure. Yeah, popcorn lung is what I, maybe that's word on the street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, like I said, I was just trying to make the association between the two. Yeah. So do you ever see anybody that, that comes in and maybe they've been smoking and they don't know that they have COPD? How do they get diagnosed? So COPD is diagnosed with a pulmonary function testing. Um, we actually do those here at Phelps. Um, we actually have a pulmonary function test machine upstairs from my clinic over there in the old bomb clinic, the Blue Slate Clinic. Mm. Um, so we can actually do them in-house, which is kind of nice. Um, and we have them over at the hospital as well. Um, it's a pretty simple test. You get they're put in a breathing chamber, which is all clear box kind of thing, and mm-hmm. they go through some breathing exercises, and we know have an answer within a week usually. Mm-hmm. You don't make them run or anything? No. <laughs> nope. I mean, I would fail that test. Right. <laughs> so talking a little bit more about Phelps Health, I know that you're at a couple of different locations. What locations are you at? So I'm primarily at the Blues Lake Clinic, which is the Old Bond Building, um, here in Rolla, Monday through Thursday, and then I actually go out to the Vienna Clinic as a rural outreach on Fridays. Um, and so I'm practicing with Brian Davis out there. Okay. And do you have the same type of practice at both yep. locations? So yep. you can see anybody for any type of thing, really? Yep. That's awesome. So um, talking again about your practice, what are some of your special interests? What are things that you really like to see patients for that maybe they can call about? So I do a lot of ADHD management in both kids and adults. Um, I do a lot of diabetes management. I pride myself on being very thorough with diabetes and being able to get people pretty under control with diabetes mm-hmm. and hypertension both. Um, and then I do a lot of sports medicine and dermatology as well, um, are my primary interests. But again, I see everything. Mm-hmm. Anybody can walk in and oh, see absolutely. you, which is really great. So sports medicine, I know, um, it's kind of the winter season. People can fall, get hurt. Mm-hmm. Is that something that they would come and see you for if absolutely. they have like a sprain? Absolutely. And I, like I said, if you have an acute injury, I'll get you in within a day. Um, and so people generally like that, especially if they need x-rays. Again, we get x-rays on the spot. We have an x-ray machine right upstairs from my clinic. Um, and so we have results that day. Um, and then as far, and then pediatrics as well, whenever they come in, um, sports medicine, physicals, stuff like that. 
Um, we also have the well child room, which is all Dr. Seuss themed, and we don't put any sick patients in that room whatsoever. So when kids come in for their well child visits, they're less exposed um, to other illnesses that have maybe filtered through the clinic that day. Wow, that's really interesting. I mean, I would like to go to a Dr. Seuss clinic, and I'm in my right? 20s. <laughs> <laughs> so as we get ready to wrap up here today, what is something maybe with viral infections um, or any type of antibiotics that you would really want to leave people with? So what's maybe a myth that you can debunk for us? So the thought that because you have a cough, cold, congestion that you absolutely need antibiotics is not true. Um Nine times out of ten, you do not need antibiotics. You have to let it run its course. Antibiotics are not going to help. Um, people might think that they've helped them in the past, and they required two courses of antibiotics, but that was just because the virus ran its course, and the symptoms resolved on their own. Um, the antibiotics weren't really doing a lot of good and are just putting you at risk for resistant bacterial infections later. Wonderful. So thank you so much, Dr. Offit, for being here today. I know I really learned a lot from you, and we look forward to having you on the show again. Again, today we've been speaking with Dr. Corey Offit, a family medicine physician with Phelps Health Medical Group. Dr. Offit is accepting new patients same day next day, so please go ahead and call 364-9000 to establish care. If you missed part of the show or would like to listen to it again, please visit phelpshealth.org. Thanks so much, guys.